grab a roadie and your barber jacket because we're headed out of the swells. We know each other well enough by now, but please remember that adults who use adult language told me these terrifying tales. These ghost stories aren't for kids. I apologize if it's a little echoey. I'm actually recording from an empty dining room today as we have moved out of the house and are in a sort of liminal in-between state right now. So, holy hell, against all odds, we've made it to October. I don't know about you, but I'm hanging on by a thread. On the bright side, I'm reading I'm Thinking of Ending Things and rereading The Last Days of Jack Sparks. I'm watching The Cabin in the Woods and The Frighteners, and when not coping with the true life horror of remote learning, my headphones are in and I'm burning through spooky podcasts. There's one show in particular I'm really digging right now that I think you should check out too if you're being a good spooky citizen during our highest of holy seasons, and that show is Scared to Death. It's a beautiful potpourri of horror. There you'll find over 50 hours of demonic possession, haunting, shadow people, black-eyed children, alien abductions, and so much more, as horror lover Dan Cummins attempts to terrify his wife, Lindsay, with two new supposedly true tales each week. Lindsay then tries to get back at Dan with even scarier stories, sharing at least two listener-submitted encounters with the paranormal, often the most disturbing part of the show. Remember our duty come every October. We're to consume so much spook that we become suspicious of every stranger and jump at the tiniest of sounds. If you don't feel quite twitchy enough yet, then it's time for Scared to Death. New episodes drop every Tuesday night, the stroke before midnight, Pacific time, and it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also watch the show on YouTube, which is pretty fun. So do your part at Get Scared to Death. As a member of the spooky community, it is basically your job right now. And speaking of scared, seeing as we finally made it to the loveliest and spookiest of months, I thought it was the perfect time for a good old-fashioned haunted house tale. And we're out of the swells for this one. Here's out of the swells number nine, The Lake House. Now, who in the hell is this handsome gentleman? I knelt down to greet a goofy dog with the most adorable snaggletooth smile I'd ever seen. This is Silo. Steve laughed. We're watching him while the Briley's are on vacation. Lucky, I gushed. What kind of dog is he? Uh, I think she said he's a bulldog lab mix. I want one. You have a problem. Steve sat down in the Adirondack chair opposite mine. How many do you have now, anyway? Five? No, four, and three of them are at death's door. I don't have a problem. I'm basically a saint. Chris is the saint, Steve laughed. No arguments there. I gave Silo one more head scratch before sitting back in my own chair. Is it cool if we keep our masks on out here, Steve asked. Of course. Thanks. We're doing our best to be careful when we can. We pretty much haven't left the house since March, obviously because of finances, but also because of Diane's health. Oh no, what's going on? He grimaced. It's nothing too serious, but her pregnancy with Robbie stressed her heart, so the doctor keeps a watch. 
Shit, I didn't know that. How is she feeling? Fine, mostly, but she's on a new medication that screws with her sleep, which is the last thing we need right now. There's already enough to keep us up at night. Totally. Tell her I'm thinking of her, and I can't wait to grab a coffee once we're in between worldwide disasters. I'll tell her. Silo nudged his leg, and Steve scratched his head absently. You guys okay? I shrugged. We're good, just a little over the edge with the move. Hoping the girls will get some time in school before everything shuts down again. How's it going for your kids? Good. St. Paul's managing to keep them in school for now, anyway. Fingers crossed. And toes. Okay, the boring kid talk's out of the way. Let's talk about you and your spooky vacation. Steve smiled. I don't even know if I believe what happened anymore. Diane just wants to put it behind us, but I can't. It wasn't that I didn't believe in ghosts, it's just that I haven't really thought about them since I was young, you know? Besides watching the occasional scary movie as an adult, the idea of anything supernatural just faded from my mind. But holy shit, it really is real. It's crazy, right? Steve studied me for a moment. Can you really talk to them? I nodded. He glanced around. Is there anyone here now? I scrunched my nose. Oh man, don't tell me. He patted his lap. Up, Silo. You can protect me. The dog happily obeyed and settled himself in. We were sitting in the shade of my front yard one early morning, quite recently. The air was cool and crisp, the sky a grumble of gray clouds. Steve and his wife were old acquaintances through Chris's work. We'd shared a handful of dinners and holiday party cocktails with them over the years. Steve's brand of brokerage was office leasing, a corner of the real estate world utterly decimated by the current COVID-19 work-from-home era. He had a new stay-at-home beard, and his formerly light brown hair was trending towards gray. He and Diane sent their children, Dana, now a fourth grader, and Robbie, in first grade, to a private Catholic school here in Wellesley. As luck would have it, Chris had to catch up with Steve on a deal that linked them. Knowing my interest in such things, Steve began telling Chris about the strange thing that had happened to them over the summer in a cabin on Lake Winnipesaukee. Chris directed him my way, though the little bit Steve relayed had Chris checking on our girls in the middle of the night. So, you know how it's been, Steve began. Work went from full throttle to dead in the water in an instant. I know there are so many people that have it a lot worse than we do. We have savings. We'll be fine. It's just not knowing how long this is going to last that's so stressful. Sorry, I'm off track already. The point is that, like everyone else, we hadn't been out of the house since March, and then remote summer school nearly pushed Diane over the edge, so I knew we had to get out of town. We needed something to break the monotony of waking up with the same worries every morning. In truth, I knew we'd wake up with the same worries, but at least we'd be in a different place, right? After all, wherever you go, there you are. So a colleague of Diane's mentioned his sister had just finished a rental cabin on Lake Winnipesaukee. The woman was panicked that she hadn't been able to rent the place out all summer because of the virus, and we gathered she was struggling to cover the cabin's mortgage on top of her own, and... Long story short, she gave us a really good deal. We went up the second to last weekend in August. Have you guys been up there? He asked. Believe it or not, we were up there a week right after you. 
It was the best vacation we've had in I don't even know how long. It's a gorgeous place, he agreed. It's the perfect setting for either a relaxing vacation or a horror movie. Turned out to be the latter, I guessed. You got it. The house was great, though. I think we were actually the first ones to stay there since it was updated. There was a photo album on the coffee table that documented the renovation, and I'll tell you, it wasn't a pretty sight before she did the work. It was basically a shack. The property was set pretty far back from Route 25 at the end of an absurdly long shared driveway. A little remote, but that's what we'd been hoping for. The place had a nice wraparound porch overlooking the lake and a private covered dock that the kids could jump off. We arrived late in the day, so we didn't have much time to explore, but Dana and Robbie got in a quick skit swim before we grilled burgers. Diane and I had a drink by the lake while the kids skipped rocks. We just, we felt normal for the first time in months. No masks, no news, no Zoom calls, just us outside on the lake together. It was really nice. Steve smiled down at Silo, who was snoring softly. He's a goof. I smiled, though my attention was pulled behind him and across the street where our neighbor's kids were playing rather crazily. I silently wished them into their backyard. After saying hello to Steve, Chris brought our own girls to the playground so I could hear his story in peace. It was such a treat to be without the children for the morning that I felt irrationally resentful of the neighbor's kids intruding upon our time. We didn't sleep well the first night, Steve went on pulling my attention back. Nothing too weird, just lots of knocks and groans that kept waking both of us up. Besides that, Diane was worried about the kids sneaking out and going down to the lake in the middle of the night. In the morning, she told me she kept thinking she heard them on the porch, but every time she checked, nothing. The kids found a trail behind the house. It went pretty far back into the woods, then looped around back to the far side of the yard, so we let them explore as long as they promised they wouldn't leave the trail. I think it was the third day we were there that they started talking about the neighborhood kids. That's how they referred to their friends at home, so we assumed there were other kids on vacation on the lake, and they met up on the trail. Anyhow, that third day, things shifted. The first couple nights, we'd all hung outside well after dark, but that night felt different. We all felt it. The kids didn't want anything to do with hanging outside come dusk, not even on the porch. Once we were done grilling, we all just went in and holed up in the house. There weren't any shades or curtains on the windows on the first floor, and it got really creepy at night. felt like we were being watched. I know that might sound like I'm trying to make it seem extra spooky, but that's just what it felt like. Diane agreed. And with the way the kids were acting, they thought so too. Then one morning, we were down at the lake, and the kids were jumping off the dock, and Robbie started waving towards the woods. He yelled something like, We can't play now, maybe later. I looked over, and there wasn't anyone there. Who you talking to, buddy? I asked him. He looked at me, and then back at the woods, but he didn't say anything. He just jumped back into the water. I didn't think much of it until I caught Dana watching the whole interaction. She looked so scared. That afternoon, I had a Zoom call for work with a couple of the guys on my team, so Dana took the kids out on the trail behind the house. I was set up at the kitchen table, and the call had just started when I heard the back door open. I assumed one of the kids came back in to use the bathroom. 
I was staring at the screen when I saw Steve trailed off. He rubbed his face with both hands and shook his head. There was a little girl. I watched her on the screen walk through the kitchen and right up behind me. I honestly thought it was one of the kid's new friends. I actually smiled and held up a finger to let her know I'd be with her in a minute because I was in the middle of explaining something about a deal. But as soon as I was done, I turned around and there was no one there. I checked the house, no little girl. The thing that really shook me was that the back door was locked. Deadbolted, actually. Oh no, did any of the people see her on the Zoom? Steve finished. No. Shivers. As if we needed another reason to hate Zoom calls. So true, he laughed. I convinced myself that it was a weird fluke, though. What else was I going to do? I didn't tell Diane when they got back from their woods walk, but then that night, she went sleepwalking. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. She woke me up in the middle of the night in an absolute panic. She said she'd been dreaming that there was a little girl in our room, that the girl told her she had to show her something in the woods. In a dream, the girl asked her to come with her. She followed her out of the house, back to the trail, and that's where she woke up. Oh my god, no! Yeah, she cut her foot pretty badly on a rock, and it woke her up. She'd made it pretty deep back into those woods, and apparently it took her forever to limp back to the house. She said it felt like she was being watched the whole way back. Was it the same girl? You know it. At least when Diane told me about the girl in her dream, the description matched the little girl I saw behind me on the Zoom call. I let out a low whistle. So you packed up and left the house? Steve chuckled. I am very sorry to say that we did not. Oh man, saying it all out loud sounds like we were the dummies in a bad horror movie, but you know how crazy things have been. Everyone's been having vivid, weird dreams during this whole quarantine business, and we felt like maybe we were just decompressing from the stress of the last few months. I do kind of get that, though if I come to in the woods in the middle of the night, I'm packing it in there and then. But yeah, I've been having wicked vivid dreams for months, I admitted. Last night, a group of these very hip, sort of fashionable killers for hire were chasing me through the mall, and then... I stopped myself. Sorry, that's boring. Go on. No, I've had some doozies over the past couple of months, too. Still, we should have left the cabin, but we didn't. We chalked it up to stress. Even though it was the same little girl. Again, I know we sound like dum-dums, but yes. Even though it appeared we'd encountered the same little girl, we didn't leave. We did, however, line up empty white claw cans in front of the kids' doors after they went to bed so we'd be sure to hear if they tried to leave their rooms in the middle of the night. Brilliant. The idea of them out in those woods at night, let alone by the water. He shuddered. So you just pressed on with your vacation? We did. The morning after Diane's sleepwalking episode was a rainy one, I was cleaning up my email, the kids were playing with their Legos in the sunroom, and I was at the kitchen table so I could hear snippets of their conversation. At least, well, I know for a fact that I heard two voices talking back and forth. I was only half listening, but then something stood out. I heard Robbie say something about drowning children, and that caught my attention. I stopped what I was doing and listened. 
He said something like, breathing in the water feels like tiny knives through your chest, but then everything will go very still and you can see and you can hear, but you can't feel anything. Then you'll begin to know things. I stood up to go look in on them, but movement outside the window caught my eye. It was Diane and Dana. They were wheeling the bikes into the garage to get them out of the rain. I hadn't heard them go out, so I just assumed they were inside with us. I went into the sunroom and found Robbie in there all alone with his Legos. When he looked up and saw me standing there, he, su- he looked scared. Who are you talking to? I asked. His eyes moved to the doorway and he didn't speak for a minute. Robert, I asked you a question. He looked back at me and said, Nobody, Daddy. It was just pretend. Where did you hear about drowning? I asked. And then he really looked frightened. But then Diane and Dana walked in, so he didn't answer. I told Diane about it later on and she sort of like dismissed it, saying, You know how weird kids can be. I let it go, but... It was such a disturbing thing for him to be talking about while he was playing, and so specific. Um, That night, I was tucked in reading, and Diane was washing her face and getting ready for bed. I must have started to doze off because I half woke up when I felt Diane get into bed beside me and crawl under the covers. I fell back to sleep, and then the next thing I know, I hear Diane scream. The most disorienting thing was that from the sound, I could tell she was downstairs, I looked over and the blanket was pulled up on her side of the bed perfectly, like she hadn't been there at all. I ran to the hallway and found her at the bottom of the stairs, heading up to me. There's someone outside, she said, well, whispered, really. Somehow her screaming hadn't woken up the kids. We checked outside all around the house. There wasn't anyone there. It wouldn't make sense for there to be anyways all the way down that dirt road at night. But Diane insisted that she saw someone standing in the backyard right in front of the trail into the woods. She'd been checking all the doors before bed to make sure they were locked, and something triggered the back floodlights, so she went to look, thinking it would be a moose or deer or something. But it was a kid, a little girl. The little girl. We looked and looked, but didn't find anything or anyone We went back up to bed, fully on edge, and I only thought to ask her why she'd gotten back out of bed to check when we were lying down. She hadn't. She hadn't gotten in bed at all. She'd gone down to check the doors one more time before turning in. I couldn't convince myself that I'd been dreaming. I know I felt someone climb into that bed beside me, and it wasn't my wife. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. We let the kids go for one more swim the next morning, packed up, and went home. They didn't protest at all. That was the clincher for me. It was time to go, and we all knew it. Jeez, Steve, that is one nightmare of a vacation. Definitely beats the New Year's Eve. I found lice in the girls' hair, and we had to pack up and leave a ski resort. Steve gave an exaggerated shiver. No, thanks. I'd take the ghost girl over that any day. I wonder what she wanted. He shrugged. Who knows? Maybe she lived there years ago. It bothers me, though, thinking about her. I'm still not sleeping well. The whole experience left me with nightmares. I wake up at least twice a night thinking I hear that little girl telling me to wake up. Oh, no. I dream about her a lot, too. What are the dreams about? 
Oh, nothing. Talking about dreams is boring, right? He said with a nervous laugh. Not always. Hmm, well, I dream about following her down that trail through the woods. She always says, we're almost there. You'll find us. Is that it? I asked, though my eyes shifted across the street, my attention again pulled by the neighbor kids. Steve shook his head. Sometimes, but the worst nights are the ones I dream of the hole in the ground. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it looks like it might have been a sinkhole. She stands there and points to it and says, We promised him we wouldn't tell. We'll say it was an accident. Steve stared at the dog as though he was not really seeing him. And then I wake up. A car sped by and one of the children began crossing the street towards us. What does she look like? The little girl? Well, she has dark skin and black hair. She's probably about six or seven. Cute. The six or seven-year-old little girl had made it across the street and was approaching us. The neighbor kids didn't appear to notice that she'd walked out of their yard and away from their game. Steve turned his head and looked in the direction I was staring. Cute kids. Are your girls friends with them? When he turned back, I met his eyes. Remember when you asked me if there were any ghosts around? His expression changed from pleasant confusion to realization, and his face fell. Can you see me? The little girl with black hair asked. I nodded. You can hear me too? I can. He keeps shutting me out, she complained. He doesn't know he has the ability to talk to you yet. I explained to her. Tell him. You're speaking to her, aren't you? Steve asked. I pressed my lips together. What is she saying? This isn't the first time this has happened to you, is it? I asked him. He rubbed his eyes. It's like I was saying when I was younger. I mean, I grew out of it. But you didn't. I said gently. Tell him we need to go back to the lake. We've waited long enough, the boys and I. We need to be brought up. Thank you for putting up with any little tip tap tiptoes of the dogs or booming voices in the background from my kids or from Chris. I'd like to take a moment to thank my newest supporters on Patreon. Hannah Purcell, Veronica Adam, Charlene Ramos, Cheryl Dupree, Shannon Cohen, Adrian Deal, Amy Smith, Lauren Paul, Christina Magnuson, Phoenix, Heather Waterman, Annie Schultz, Haley Dwyer, Sawdeth Sanchez, Matthew Booth, Kelly Altamura, Francesca Lausch, Kara Metch, Crystal Patterson, James Riley Jr., Ash Brown, Amanda Brannon, Pillar Munar, Melissa Rodriguez, Jessica King, Carol, Hillary Gay, and Clayton Myers. From the bottom of my jack-lantern-shaped heart, thank you for your support. 
head over to ghostsintheburbs.com for all the links. Also, don't forget to check out Scared to Death Podcast. You'll find their link in the show notes. This episode is dedicated to Silo and to all the good boys and good girls we've lost. Happy October. Hang in there, everyone. It sort of feels like the worst is yet to come. This has been Ghosts in the Burbs. Good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.